Well, good morning, True North. It is so good to be with you all. So good to be right here in the room at Malu. Welcome to everybody up at Marawa. Great to be with you guys. Welcome to everybody watching online. It is just uh, an exciting thing uh, to be gathered as, uh, as God's people this morning. You know, you just worry, you know, you've heard about obviously coming up uh, just two weeks till our Imagine Conference as a church. And, uh, and that comes from a verse that I want to speak with you about today. Ephesians 3, uh, verse 21, is the verse that we get the idea from. It says in that verse, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or what? Imagine. He, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let me hear you say amen. Up in Marijuana Online, let me hear you say amen. amen. When we say amen, we say this is something. We say yes, let it be so. Now, we're going to be talking about that verse and in some ways what Imagine Conference is all about. I know so many of you are already planning to be there. And so I want you to, uh, to almost kind of get ready for this is what it's all about. Some of you may be brand new here at True North. You're going to get a sense of, okay, this is why we do things like that. This is what the purpose is. Now, before we get into that, I, I've been having this experience lately. I bet some of you can relate. Uh, has anyone ever had this happen? And I, I've noticed this experience has happened a lot more in the last 12 weeks. Uh, I think that's about how old Asher is. And the experience goes something like this. I'm in one room of the house with my wife, with Lisa. Uh, maybe our kids are there. Maybe Asher's there, Levi. And, and, and Lisa says, hey, Dean, could you go get me something? And she'll always say, could you go to Asher's room and grab me like a cloth or a, a this or that, something he needs? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And so I walk, and it's not a particularly long walk, but I walk to his room, I walk into the room, and then I find myself standing there, looking around, going, I know I'm here for something. Like, there's some reason I'm here. I was sent here. And, and I find myself, then I, I look around, and, I, and I'm like, it was, there was something I was supposed to get, maybe, wasn't it? And then I look and I think, I, I cannot recall what I was sent here to do. But I better do something so I at least look busy, right? <laughs> so then I look around and I think, well, I don't know what to get, but maybe that needs some tidying. Maybe that's what I was supposed to be doing. And so I maybe tidy a little area where I think, hey, this looks like something that could be useful. And I grab it and I pick it up and I walk back. And she might, Lisa might say to me, uh, what is this? And I think, I, I just thought you might like this. I thought this was needed. And she'll say, I, I sent you there to get me. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's right. There was a reason. I was looking for a hat. I was looking for a cloth. And, and has anybody had that? Raise your hand wherever you are. You know, you've had this. So this happens. We all know it. And, and I guess the thing that I want to speak a little bit with you about today is just this idea of, of why we do what we do. Uh, I, I know this as a church. Now, we're all here. We all got, you got in the room today. You either got into the room you're sitting in, you turned it on uh, if you're watching online, but somehow we all got into this room together. And that is fantastic. I mean, I always, I give myself a pat on my back even if I get to the room she told me to go to. That's great. You know, we're winning. Uh, but wouldn't the worst thing be if we kind of, we all got here and we forgot, hey, this is why we're here. 
Uh, some of you are maybe new to church, and, and you maybe come along or, or checking out, but you don't really get, like, why? Why do we gather like this? Why do, people, uh, why do I see people in T-shirts serving and giving up their time and energy to do things? Why? I've heard about these, uh, you know, connect groups. People gathered not even just on Sunday, but during the week and doing other stuff. Like, why, why, why? And, and I want us just to be reminded of why we do what we do. Uh, you know, in Ephesians chapter 3, you see, to get to that verse about what we can ask God for and what he's able to do and the imagining, all that comes after grasping why we do what we do. You see, in Ephesians 3, Paul, who's writing this letter, these scriptures, he is talking about what God has called him to do. And he says, uh, and trying to paint this picture for the church he's writing to, he says this in verse 7. He says, I, Paul, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Paul's going to talk about how, what God has done in Jesus. It's been planned for all time. There's good news, and through Christ, all people can be made right with God. And he's like, and that's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm a servant of that. And he says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace, this job, this gift was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, those who are far from God, the boundless riches of Christ. Let me hear wherever you are. Let me hear you say the word boundless. boundless. Okay, just want you to know at the front end of this, what, what the scriptures tell us is that in Christ, his riches for us, the goodness of Christ in our lives, it's boundless. So everything we look at, we need to remember God's goodness towards each one of us, it's boundless. His love knows no ends. And so Paul's like, man, I'm just trying to help people. And the Gentiles, those who are farthest from God know this. And to make plain to everyone, he's like, I want to make it clear. Maybe people weren't quite sure what God was doing. Maybe people didn't understand exactly what's happening in Christ. He says, I want to make it plain to everyone the administration or the working out of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now, the idea here is Paul saying God had a plan, had a purpose before all creation. For a long time, it was hidden. People didn't totally understand what was happening. But now in Christ, it's been made plain. And Paul's like, I want everyone to know the good news of what God's done in Jesus. And then he goes on and says this in verse 10. Let's see if we can pull that up. Otherwise, I didn't memorize verse 10. I memorized 21. Okay. All right. He says his intent now. Let me hear you say the word intent. Intent. Intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he, God, accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Check this out. Now, this is why I love these verses. They speak to God's intent God, how many people know this? God had intent. Sometimes people can, you might walk through life or wonder, is there any purpose to everything that's happening? Is there any, sometimes the world can be full of difficulty and pain, and sometimes we wonder, is anything linking all this together? Sometimes in our own lives, we can feel like there's all these different pieces to a puzzle, but what's the intent? What's the purpose? What's bringing it all together? And what these verses tell us is that God had intent, that before the creation of the world, he had this eternal purpose to create for himself a people with whom he could dwell, whom he would know. And, and the amazing thing is, for a long time, 
Paul and, and the crew he belonged to, they believed that that was just getting worked out in one particular people, the people of Israel. But now Paul's like, oh my goodness, there's this great mystery. In fact, it was all pointing towards Jesus, and now all people have the opportunity to enter into knowing God. God's intent and what God was doing and his purpose was still at work, and his intent was that he would create for himself a church, the, the people of God who in this world would make known those riches of his goodness. Now, I love these words because they remind us God has intent for the church. God has purpose for the church. We don't just want to walk into a room and think, you know, why am I here? I know there's some stuff I got to do and maybe find something that looks helpful to do in the moment. We need to be reminded of this is God's intent and purpose. And God's intent and purpose is that the church would become the place that makes known the reality of what he's done in Christ. To help it go from being just a message that's proclaimed, but to being a reality that is demonstrated in the people of God. You know, uh, yesterday was Saturday, and my wife Lisa and I, and uh, and Lisa and I and myself and all of us and, <laughs> and Asher. There's more people to keep track of now. I'm getting confused. <laughs> and, uh, but Lisa and Asher and I were at home and we were flipping through the channels. And I came across uh, my favorite celebrity chef. If you know me, a lot of you know my favorite, well, my second favorite celebrity chef, actually. Uh, Jamie Oliver was on TV. Now, he's my second favorite celebrity chef. Obviously, my first favorite celebrity chef is Nick Aragoni. Come on, how many people know he's the best celebrity chef going around? But I came across my second favorite celebrity chef, Jamie Oliver, and he was teaching how to make simple, delicious meals, and I love simple and delicious and he said, here's how you're going to make this pizza. And so he was showing, and I love pizza as well, so we've got a lot of stuff going. But then he started to say what was on this pizza. Now, we know pizza toppings can be controversial at the best of times, right? There's a lot of, a lot of churches have split over pineapple on pizza, <laughs> things like that. Like, so we know this is dicey territory. And so Jamie was talking, I felt directly to myself and Lisa about this pizza and how good it was going to be. And he said, you're going to put on it, you're going to put on some sausages, here's how you're going to cook, the sausage will go on top. And then he was like, and then there's going to be a bunch of red onion, like, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then he's like, now we're going to put some rosemary. I'm like, I don't usually put rosemary on my pizza. I don't think they even do that at Domino's, but okay, all right. And then he said, how many, I don't know if anyone's ever had this, maybe I'm just like left out in the cold. And then you're going to put on this pizza some grapes. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> grapes. I don't know if you can hear that everywhere. But exactly, he's like, grapes. And so we start looking at each other and we're like, has Jamie done lost his mind? Like, well, who is putting <laughs> grapes on pizza? Like, I've eaten a lot of pizza in my life. Nobody ever said, you want grapes on your pizza. And so he's telling us, and he's talking like through the screen. He's literally saying things like, I know you're going to think, you know, that you won't like this. But he's like, I'm telling you, I make this pizza all the time for people who come to my house. And I make all these pizzas, and they always say they want this pizza. And we're looking at each other like, could this be us? Would we do that? Would we put grapes on pizza? Should we try it? And, and so we went to the grocery store because we're like, we're going to make some food. Grand finals on tonight. We're in standing in Coles, and we're still looking at each other like, are we really going to do this? Like, we, we literally have this conversation in the produce section. Like, should we, are, are we going to do that? Are we going to try this? And so we're like, all right, let's do it. Let's just try it. And, uh, and so we buy all the ingredients. We go home. We make the dough. 
I made pizza dough last night, and I'm pretty proud. And so, yeah, yeah, come on. Thank you for, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. I know. It's impressive. So we make this pizza dough. I put on, there's like this pesto sauce thing. It was in a jar. I didn't make that. Anyway, but the pesto sauce thing was amazing. We're putting on all the ingredients, the onions, the rosemary, the grapes. And we put it in the oven. And then we, we put it in the oven. Then we got another one, and we're like, should we make the same thing? Like, he told us it was going to be good, but should we hedge our bets here? <laughs> you know, should we do a, a pizza without grapes next? But we were like, no, we're all in. We put it in. We get it out. We take a bite, and guess what? It was amazing. <laughs> I am here today to tell you grapes on pizza is a thing. <laughs> I would have never believed it, but it is. And the reason I say all this, and you got to make it just right. So look, don't, don't just try this at home or just like throw some grapes out. You got to get it all right. But when it had the grapes and the rosemary and all these flavors started coming together, it was amazing. And we looked at each other and we said, we should have just believed him. Why didn't we listen to him? But can I tell you something? It is always one thing to say what something will be in an entirely different reality to experience it for yourself. You see, what some people don't realize about the church and why it matters so much, I meet people all the time and see it over, over for years. I've been a pastor for 15 years, and I've seen over time, I know what happens so often to people. They think that the church is almost like an optional add-on to Christianity. They think it's almost like an optional add-on to what it is to know Jesus. At some point, people walk into church after a while, and they start going, I don't remember why I was here. And I've watched so many people over the years, who then they just kind of walk out of the room. And it's all because they missed what the whole intent was. It's so easy to think, yeah, God's rescued me, and now I can have this life, and miss the fact that God's intent and purpose was the creation of a people who would become the place where people could not just hear about the good news of Jesus, but where it's made known, where it's tasted, where it's experienced. All that Paul writes here, he talks about this extraordinary mystery that God is bringing all people. He's using this category of Gentiles. It may not mean a lot to us, but he's trying to get across this. God is bringing all nations, all cultures, all people together into a connection, into fellowship, into a, a relationship of love for God and love for one another. And it's like Paul's going, you have to realize this. God's intent was not just to rescue individuals. God's intent was to create a people that would be his dwelling place in this world. A place where people could go, I heard that it's transformative to know the love of God in your life. I heard it's supposed to change the way you live. I heard it's supposed to make you a more loving person. I heard it's supposed to fill people with joy and hope, even in times of difficulty. I heard it says, anyway, that it's supposed to bring people together regardless of culture or history. Or Is it true? And Ephesians 3 says God's intent was that through the church, his manifold wisdom would be made known. It would be revealed. It would be experienced. It would be a visible witness and demonstration of the boundless riches that are found in Christ. You know, I love that phrase where it says, through the church, 
God's intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God be made known. That whole idea of the manifold wisdom of God, it's a, it, the, the word that gets translated manifold often, I, I learned this about another word that I'd never heard of before until I was reading it, and it's this word variegated. How many people know the word variegated? Apparently most people, just not myself. But it's a, uh, most commonly, as I understand, a gardening term, uh, which is possibly a reason I don't know the word variegated, because I don't have a favorite celebrity gardener yet. But this word variegated, it talks about like the variety of colors and the variety of plants that you can sort of see within you know, a garden or on flowers, and, and if I'm using the word wrong, just email Phil later. Anyway, but <laughs> there's this beautiful picture here of what the church is supposed to be, that it's this, like, display of, like, all the variety of the beauty of God's wisdom in this world. And the idea of the wisdom here, it's, his, it's this all-encompassing idea of his plan, of, of grace, of love, of his work in the world, that, that even though you could look and be like, God, is you, I don't know about this plan, I'm not sure. No, through the church, all the, the variety. I, you know, one of the things I love so much about our church, and I'm, I'm in a, a privileged position in some ways because I get to hear the, the different stories of people all across our church, our locations, or online, and and if you don't get to see that, one of the things you don't realize is that our, there are so many beautiful stories, each one extraordinarily unique, of how God has worked in a person's life. And then when those people come together into a community, it becomes this display of the manifold wisdom of God, the variety, the endless variety of his working out his purposes in people's lives. And every one of us is invited to be a part of that. I love that it says it's going to display his wisdom before the, it talks about the rulers and the, the authorities and the heavenly realms. And, you know, in Paul's day when he wrote, they lived in a, a very spiritual, you know, worldview. But the thing about their worldview was often it was almost like the, the spiritual realm is really important and humans are sort of like the secondary importance. And he flips it all on his head and is like, in God's the way it's working now is like humans if in the church are the ones who are now saying this is what it's all about. It's about Christ. They're, the, they're demonstrating the manifold, many, many variety, colors, beauty of God's love. How extraordinary. This is God's intent for the church. You know, one of the things that can happen as well, I've seen, you know, one of the reasons sometimes I've seen people over the years kind of walk away from the intent, walk away from the plan, walk away from what God wanted for his people is because at some point they go, you know what? It feels to me like, wow, that's the extraordinary. Like, Dean, you're painting the pictures, and it's beautiful, and I see in the scriptures it's supposed to be so great, but yet my own experience feels too far below that. See, this is a reality, is it not? That sometimes we know how great this calling, this intent God has for his church, and then sometimes we experience, there are moments we experience that just granular, like, yes, this is what it's all about, and then there's often uh, sometimes an experience of going, this it somehow seems less than what, what is the intent. And the gap between those two things is what's called discouragement. I love what Paul writes next. He was writing to this young church, and he says this. He says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged. Let me hear you say wherever you are the word discouraged. Discouraged. 
Do you know what can keep us from living out the mission? It's if we allow ourselves to be discouraged. He says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I'm going to pause there for a moment. You see, what was happening was uh, Paul was in chains when he wrote this. He was a prisoner, and he was becoming a prisoner because of his wanting to preach this good news of Jesus and what he's doing and and how it's for all people and all these things. And so Paul has gotten himself into jail, into prison. Now you imagine this young church. This is brand new churches. These are, you know, first generation believers in Christ. And, and Paul's writing to them. And why does he say, I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged? You know, one of the things that's always helpful to know when you read the, the letters and the scriptures, they are one half of a conversation. They are genuinely a letter to people. Paul knows this church has been experiencing discouragement. So he's going to say, I ask you, don't be discouraged. And why were they discouraged? Because of his sufferings, because he was in chains. You know, it's like they were looking and going, man, is this what it is to follow Christ? I thought the church was, I thought Jesus was, has done all this stuff. I thought we were going forward. I thought it was advancing. Our, Paul, the leader, the guy, he's, he's in chains. Like, are we really going to get there? And Paul's like, don't get discouraged. Don't be discouraged just because your present experience may not feel like it matches God's intent. Don't let that discourage you. Paul says, why? Because he says, my sufferings, me being in chains, is actually for your glory. The idea here is he's saying, God can use even these present, seemingly discouraging, but he can use these present circumstances for his good purposes in this world. He says, it's for your glory. Paul's like, I'm in chains and, and he, but Paul's view of that was not, man, this needs to get fixed and this can't be. It should be much more. No, no, no. Paul's like, look, God can use this for me to help grow you. I got time to write a letter now. I've got space. I remember reading once about Paul. It's a fascinating thought. If he had not spent so much time in chains, in jails, would he have ever written all those letters? What if he had just been speaking and never had the time? To, to actually put on paper those words. Do you realize something? That which can seem discouraging to us in a moment in God's hands can be for his glory when we allow it to be used for his intent to make known, to make experienced the reality of what God has done in Christ. I want to encourage you, if, if there's anybody listening today and you find yourself discouraged at what God is doing in the church or you feel like your experience of faith is not matching what you thought was going to be there, I want to encourage you, don't be discouraged. I'm going to encourage you to do something in a moment, which is what Paul does, and that's to pray. But it always begins by realizing that if God's intent is to make himself and his boundless riches known, then how do I allow even my present circumstances to just be another part of seeing that good news proclaimed in this world? His eternal purpose that, that just trumps it all. You see, that answer for discouragement is we're going to see Paul begin to pray for them and teach them in so many ways how to pray. And so he starts to pray for them. He says, you know, we might have expected him to go, you know, hey, 
Don't be discouraged that I'm locked up. Don't be discouraged that I'm in jail. You know, can you pray with me? Would you pray that, that this gets sorted? Would you pray that this gets made right? Would you pray that the circumstance changes? But it's not how Paul prays. Paul says this. He says, for this reason, for this reason, out of all this, God's intent, God's purposes, what he wants to do, and the reality of his own present uh, sufferings, he says, this is what I do. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You know, when he says, I kneel, what he's letting us know here is he is amping up the intensity. He's prayed for him already once in this letter, but here you just feel like he's in this, he's, in, he's chained up and he's just like, this is such a big, I'm kneeling on this one. He says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. He is the God over all things, and he prays. He says, I pray that out of his glorious, those unsearchable riches, that he may strengthen you. Let me hear the, say the word, strengthen. He says, I want him to strengthen you with power. Let me hear you say power. power. And your inner, through his spirit in your inner being. Let me hear you say inner being. inner being. So often when we face difficult circumstances, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's a very biblical idea to pray and intercede on behalf of things. But we cannot miss that the first port of call should always be to start to pray for what God can do on the inside. The strengthening of the inner being. That God's purposes and plans are, are fleshed out in this world as his spirit starts to do something deep inside us and give us strength and gives us power. And he says, uh, as he goes on, verse 17, so he prays first for that strengthening with power in the inner being. So that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants Christ to dwell in their hearts. You see, being a church, being the people of God, it's always been about a dwelling for God's presence, a place where Christ can dwell. And he says, and I pray that you, and you got to remember in the Greek language this is written, these you is not an individual. We're, we're Western English speaking uh, people by and large, and we use you, we think it's a singular. He's saying you all, this is a plural, this is to you, the church. I pray that you, you all, being rooted and established in love, that that's what's going to happen. And Christ dwells in our hearts, and we get a foundation of love. And that power, he says, may you have power together with all the Lord's holy people, not just your church, but all churches, May you have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you, here's what it's all about, that you all may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want us just to reflect on this prayer just for a couple of moments. There's these key things that, that the scriptures and demonstrate for us to be praying into. That this is what allows the, this is the fuel. This is the power to carry out the intent. This is the power to carry out the mission, to be that church that is the display, that is the demonstration, that is the making known, the manifold wisdom of God. That it all starts on the inside, each one of our hearts, each one of our lives. It starts with the work of God's spirit, not out there in the world, but deep, deep in our inner being. That's the dwelling place of Christ. Paul uses these words interchangeably, Christ dwelling, the, the spirit in our inner being. We see him praying to the Father. This is a picture of the triune God 
at work in our lives. And that, that it all starts with allowing his spirit to empower us. And that empowerment is meant to allow Christ to dwell in our hearts. It's always been about connection with God. Friendship with God, if you will. Presence, God's presence with us. And, and when Christ is dwelling in our hearts, he's like, I want the foundation. And here's what uh, the church is always meant to sink its roots deep down into is this foundation of love. Build your, build your life on his love. Send the roots of your life deep into his love. Foundation level, love, that's where the church is meant to be built. And that love is grasping. This is the only, the only soil deep and rich enough to send your roots into for your life to grow strong is into the love of Christ. It's not just, hey, do better. This isn't saying do better at loving God and, and loving other This part right here is just going, let your life just dig its roots deep into how great is his love for you. Oh, there is nothing greater we can pray into and seek after and pursue than to dig our, the roots of our life into the extraordinary love of God. I'm asking him, Lord, deep within my inner being, would you give me power to just grasp at it? It's too big. It's unsearchable. We already talked about it. But yet, Lord, let me somehow start to grasp it. And he says to know this love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? What he's praying here is I, there's one thing to kind of know something, but this kind of knowledge, it surpasses knowledge. It's not just like you could write a book about it. It's not just you could write a verse about it. It's not just you could talk about it. It's that you know it. You know it. Such a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Such a difference between knowing about God's love and knowing God's love. And the only foundation, the only, the only place to live from, if you're going to carry out the mission, is knowing this love that's way beyond what, what we could, could know or articulate or all those things. And he says, out of that, may we be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what he, he, he wants for us. This is what God wants for his people. And in all of it, you see, together, it's all about this together with the Lord's holy people. The whole thing is written, this idea of churches being the, the place where God is known and experienced and felt. Because love isn't something you can just kind of know about. It's something that is felt and lived reality. And if, we, if there is not a place in this world where people can go, when I, when I enter that community of people, I experience that love or I see it on display, then forever we'll be just saying to people, just try it. No, I'm, trust me, it's good. But they'll go, where? Where do I ever know? Where do I ever see it? Where do I ever taste it? And this is why that high calling of the church is why the church matters. It is God's plan and purpose that he would form a people in this world who make known the manifold wisdom of God. You see, this is why, uh, why, this is why we gather to worship him. It's why we connect with one another afterward. It's why we show up and you know, groups that meet in homes. It's why we serve on teams together. It's why we go on conferences together and set time aside to know one another so that together 
together, we can experience God's love and make it known in this world. And you know what? It's after all of this, and it's in this context, that now at the very end of it, you can picture Paul. He's chained up in a cell. He's writing about this, and he's just like, don't be discouraged. And he's praying for him. And he's like, look, I'm praying God's going to strengthen you with power in your inner being. I'm praying you're going to know his love. I'm praying Christ's going to dwell in your hearts. He's praying all this while he's in chains. And then all of a sudden, it's like he can't even contain himself. He goes, and now, in light of all this, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. To him be the glory. Where? In the church. And in Christ Jesus. Forever and ever. I think God looks down and he is looking for a church that will make known his glory in this world. That will not just be a a group of individuals saying, look what Jesus did for me. But who get on board with his intent to create a people for himself. A place where he dwells. And not for ourselves and not for what, you know, what is either comfortable for us or what we think will make us happy, but for his glory, the display of his splendor for all generations forever and ever. You know, you can feel, if you read this scripture and you open your heart and your life to it, you can feel Paul's passion You can feel the the high calling and intent that God has for his church. Not an optional add-on. Not an afterthought. As if after the cross and resurrection was sort of this thought that, hey, maybe we should start bringing these people together. No. His eternal purpose was always to create a people for himself. Bringing together all nations, all cultures, generations, and together. In Christ, place where he dwells. You know, I want to, in a moment, just going to pray for our church. And I want you to know one thing. I will pray with intensity. Because God's intent for his church is not changed. We don't get to change the mission because it seems too hard. We don't get to change the mission because it feels discouraging. We don't get to change the plan because we think, I don't know if it's the right plan. To be the church. It's to be the people who say, God, here's what we know we need. We need more of your love. Uh, we need hearts where your spirit is active, deep in our inner being, where you're empowering us to be what we cannot be on our own, where our, the roots of our life are going deep into the soil. And, and the one common mark of churches is not what kind of music they sing. It's not, you know, what what kind of way they dress on a Sunday where the mark of church, the only thing that matters is are they places of love, rooted and established in love, demonstrating God's love through the power of his spirit within us. And imagine just believing and just asking, you know, God, can you do more than we can ask or imagine? You know, not about in my life, here's a thing I want. Can I please have that? Could you do more than I can imagine? No, no, God, this is your plan. This is your intent. This is your purpose. And we go into it knowing he can do more than we could ask or imagine as we seek to be his people, his church in this world. 
You know, I want to pray for us today. If you're here, Molu, why don't you stand? If you're at Merrill, why don't you stand up? If you're watching online, if you're part of the True North tribe, the True North church, you know, this is our, our prayer. And, and, I, and I'm conscious. I know there'll be, there's people here today, you, you're not sure about any of this or believe in it. That's no worries. We want you to know you're always welcome in our midst and just to come and to hang. And then there's other people here today who you're like, this is my church. We know we are part of together with all God's holy people. We're part of all, all churches. But God's plan has always been local churches, local bodies where it's not just an idea, where it's a lived reality. And if this is that place for you, True North is my home, then I want to pray. I want to pray that God would do this in us. Because I know he has more ahead for us than what we've had behind us. This is why we do like an Imagine conference, because we want to imagine and say, God, we know you can do more. Way more than we could ask or imagine. For your glory. For the display of your love in this world. And so I'm going to pray Paul's prayer. I invite you, if you're coming to imagine as we gather, I invite you to pray this, you know, maybe once a day, every day for our church in the lead up. But if we're all praying it, you know, this is what's linking up our hearts and our minds and together with, the whole, with all the Lord's holy people, you know, we can do that. But I want to pray it for us today. I feel like Paul, just wanting nothing more than to say, man, I hope every one of us could know that love. I know for myself, there's times I face discouragement. And I know this, the thing that gets me through that is going back in prayer and saying, God, would you do some work in my inner being? Would you give me some fresh power deep inside that takes me beyond what's happening and puts me in deep touch with your extraordinary love? Because once I'm there, anything's possible. And what's it all matter when you know the love of God, the boundless riches? It doesn't matter what else is happening. The boundless riches are found in Christ. If you want to be a part of this prayer, I invite you to just, just join by opening your hands. You could lift them straight up. Do whatever will help you to go, Lord, I want this in my life. I want this for your church. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray exactly these words from the scriptures. You know, I'm going to kneel this morning. When Paul kneeled here, their, their tradition for praying was to pray standing up with hands up often and arms raised. But when Paul says, I'm kneeling, he's like, I'm, I'm getting serious here. This is for real. I'm up in the intensity. Because this is, this is what the church is intended for. So I'm going to kneel. You do what you need to do to join in, and I'd love to pray for you. Lord, it's for this reason I kneel before you today. Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth, all people derive their names. And God, I pray today, out of your glorious riches, would you strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being? Lord, those who are asking today, would you begin a, a deep within strengthening work? Bring power through your spirit deep within them so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. 
Lord Jesus, alive, dwelling in our hearts through faith. God, I pray that we would be rooted and established in love. Oh, Lord, establish us in love. Love for you, for one another. Lord, that love, may we have that power together with all your holy people, Lord, across our city, across this world, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Lord, we know it's unknowable, but may we know this love that surpasses knowledge. God, may we be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ that in our lives, that in your church may be the glory throughout all generations forever and ever. Your glory. Amen.